back once again to a Coffin Heroes podcast, a previews podcast, if you will. Going to be going through the December solicitations for products that are scheduled to ship in February and beyond. Your host is always Alan from Coffin Heroes in Belfast. Belfast number one comic store, if I say so myself. <laughs> and you do say so, and you should say so. Well, I was Wait. just going to say, hopefully my co-host will uh, agree with that statement. Mr. Keith Miller, good evening as always. <laughs> How are you? Good, 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 good. It's nice to be sitting across from you again. We're uh, we're back to our initial podcasting equipment that we uh, we invested quite a bit of money in uh, over lockdown. Uh, we obviously want the sound quality to be better. It's been a little bit of an upheaval in the last year or so. Keith moving house, me becoming a dad, different things, moving equipment from A to B. Finding equipment. Loads of different travel, all the rest. But uh, with the help of a certain young gentleman who helps me run the store now, Chris, he has set us up with some new equipment to uh, hopefully ensure better quality every time. What are we going to call our new podcasting computer? Oh, well, that's, you put me on the spot with, uh, with, mm. with that kind of thing. I, well, we're going to have to come up with some sort of name. I mean, we'll, we'll go with Kit for the moment, just Ooh, as, I like a, it. Okay. Yep. as a little nod to Knight Rider. To my, peace to my 80s sensibilities. Well, there will be plenty of chat about 80s sensibilities in this podcast because there are some quite nostalgic picks, which we'll certainly get to in a bit. But yeah, just we, we want the, the podcast, obviously, to be the best possible quality uh, and obviously for the sound quality to match the quality of the content. Oh. Oh, beautifully said, beautifully thought, said. Thought you might like that. But yeah, no, we're going with uh, previews, as I say. So the previews books, as always, are in the store. They're up at the counter. You can have a flick through them, uh, see if there's anything that appeals to you. But this is just us breaking down the previews books with the titles we're looking forward to most, looking at starting points for new, uh, new readers, looking at trade collections that might appeal to people. Maybe it's classic omnibus collections. But yeah, we're just breaking down the stuff that we're looking forward to most. So... As always, three different books, you know, just in case this is your first time with us. The way previews works, comic industry, I say it all the time, it's like no other industry. <laughs> and, you know, especially for stores, it's like get people excited about these titles, but try not to spoil them for yourself as well if you're a reader. Uh, so it can be uh, quite a, an interesting way to do it. But yeah, the previews books essentially come into the store a couple of months out from when they're going to be released. It's our job to let you guys know what's coming out, let you know what we're most excited for, keep you fully informed. You know, we always have the previous boards in the store as well. But the previous podcast is definitely the place to be for the most in-depth detail uh, going through the books. As always, divided into three, you've got your DC book, you've got your Marvel book, and you've got your independent book, which is your publisher such as Image, Boom, Dark Horse, etc., etc. So, uh, yeah, we, we do a nice little overview of the books, first of all, if you will, um, before jumping into the meat and bones of it. So, I mean, I always kick things off with DC just to live up to our stereotypical uh, <laughs> stereotypical anointed titles, if you will, of Mr. DC and Mr. Marvel. I'll leave you to guess who's who. Uh, but, yeah, with DC, you know, without a doubt, the most high-profile title this month is Batman. You know, Chip Zdarsky's been on the title for a while, and now he's jumping into a three-part weekly event, which is going to come out in February looking into uh, the origin of one of the most infamous of Batman's rogues gallery, perhaps the most infamous. Who would that be? I'll leave you to guess, but, uh, you know, he likes to laugh a bit. Uh, There's also a really, really class-looking Batman Black Label title from Dan Juergens that's coming our way that goes right back to the origins of Batman when he came along in the late 30s, early 40s. It's silly size, but given the creative team and the topic... 
it's going to be another difficult one for me, Alan. Well, I've seen your lovely new on-the-wall cabinet with your black label titles sitting on their side, not at all looking out of place. No, no, I, I mean, you have to agree that, you know, they're... <laughs> I mean, you've got some lovely bookshelves over there I can see just to my right. I mean, they, they, they fit on there. We're going to have considerably more bookshelves because we're going we're gonna to floor-to-ceiling shelf this entire wall. So what you're saying is you're going to create a shelf specifically for, for silly size. size. See, yeah, uh-huh. you know, that's how you know you've got their claws into you now. <laughs> uh, there's also a new mini series for the most troublesome of the Robins, which we'll get to. Something I know a lot of guys in store are looking forward to. But I think actually the main star of the DC book this month, I think, is the collected editions. You know, there's an absolute edition of one of Superman's best ever stories. There's a long-demanded reprint for one of DC's biggest outlaws, part of DC's sort of commitment at the moment to compendiums of lesser-known runs. Uh, You've got new trade paperbacks for one of DC's newest imprints, and for me, they're one of their most underrated imprints. Some great titles straight. I know you've been reading them as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, We Are Legends. We'll get on to more detail on that. Uh, And I hope that that means that those titles will find a bigger audience. And then, of course, there's a massive modern omnibus which showcases a title written by two of the best in the game and certainly two of our favourite writers as well. So, yeah, plenty in the DC book to look forward to. What's the Marvel book looking like? Uh, February 2024 is looking looking pretty, pretty solid. Includes everything from, I guess it'll be the, it's the second month of the year, it'll be the second month of the new Ultimate Universe, uh, shepherded by Jonathan Hickman, the uh, the big brain of Marvel at the moment. Uh, big brain of comics, really, I mean, you could say. And we've got the return of one of the most iconic Marvel characters of the 90s, one I know you're not very familiar with, uh, but we'll talk about that, uh, we'll talk about that later, and, and much, much more, I mean... February, as we mentioned, will bring the second issue of Ultimate Spider-Man, which features the debut of the new Ultimate Spidey's first supervillain. But that villain apparently won't be the new Ultimate Green Goblin, who was very much, obviously, I mean, Green Goblin in, in the 616 universe is very much Peter Parker's, you know, nemesis. And in the original Ultimate universe, that was also the case uh, in a very different form. But in this... Ultimate Universe, Ultimate Green Goblin is debuting as New York's newest hero. Interesting. Uh, so, taking a wee uh, page out of uh, Christopher Cantwell's Golden Goblin, uh, that sort of thing, the 616 universe. And the new uh, Ultimate Universe doesn't stop there. February also brings the debut of the second title of the new Ultimate line, Ultimate Black Panther. We could talk a wee bit about Nemesis there as well. Be a very familiar Nemesis with a very different role from his core Marvel Universe incarnation. Uh, that will be the new Ultimate Moon Knight. Uh, very interesting stuff. Uh, and I think the, the Ultimate Moon Knight wants to conquer Wakanda in the name of Khonshu. As we mentioned, return of classic and 90s Marvel hero. Rides a skateboard, member of the New Warriors. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll not give it away just yet. Um, but that, this title will be bringing him into the, the modern Marvel universe. Fall of the House of X and Rise of the Powers of Ten continue uh, with issue two, as does Vengeance of Moon Knight, the follow-up to Jed McKay's Moon Knight series, also by Jed McKay. Wolverine is smack in the middle of his Sabretooth War and Spider-Man's Gang War is coming to a close. There's an awful lot of uh, an awful lot of mini series coming to an end, you know, or coming to fours and fives. There's an awful lot of issue twos, but we'll we'll pick those up as we go through. So, a good solid month of continuing titles and some uh, some nice uh, omnis and bits and pieces at towards the end. What about the indie side of things? I know it's a much more 
scattershot. You know, the previews book has has all the companies in it yeah. that aren't Marvel and DC. You know, there's some, there's definitely some that rise at the top every month. Oh, very but, much so. I mean, for a long time, it was always Image winning this war. I think you know, Image always had the most titles that we were looking forward to, and they they have a strong month here again as well. But I actually think Dark Horse may be the winner this month, and that's. Oof. That's a strange one because we don't mention Dark Horse a lot. We're not really Hellboy readers, mm-hmm. for example, which is obviously Dark Horse's crown jewel. I have been enjoying certainly the titles that have come to Dark Horse through uh, what were originally the Scottober titles. And I know you've enjoyed, you're very much enjoyed Canary number one recently. Oh wow! You know there was yep. Night of the Ghoul was through that as well, uh-huh. and we have Demons. So Dark Horse have done some good stuff, but this is definitely the biggest <sighs> month. Yes, we have Demons. That's right. Yeah, uh-huh. that was the Capullo one as well. Uh-huh. Night of the Ghoul was Frank Avia. Then you had clear which was francis manipul uh-huh. and then yeah canary which is dan panos and on art but uh yeah no this month they they have some big big hitters you know there's new titles coming from dark horse from ram v tom king and david m Bohr. a couple of our buddies on that list i think so i think so i mean despite our our continual appraisal of uh, tom king he just keeps ignoring my call <laughs> but you know i'll get there eventually you will them. but yeah they, these guys definitely propel dark horse to the forefront i think although there is definitely gold to be found amongst other publishers you know ram you know of course friend of the store as well he's especially busy this month as he launches uh also with image a brand new title that has a, a really cool companion series as well written by dan waters who of course is a longtime buddy of uh, rams as well we have joe hill returning to the realm of horror and uh the energon universe which i know we've been enjoying I the mean, start of you could say joe trip. hill was born into that realm of horror he was but the fact that he you know, you you still look at Joe Hill now, and a lot of people wouldn't even know he's Stephen King's son. He's I've... very much, well, apart from how, yeah, of course. <laughs> but uh, you look at the name Joe Hill, you don't think, yeah, Stephen yeah, hundred percent, yeah. You know, he's very much carved his own path. And the Energon Universe gets its first trade with gets its first yes, trade, yeah. Okay. So I mean, we've been enjoying that so far. Uh-huh. I mean, I've, oh, I've very much jumped yep. all in with it. it. It tickles the nostalgia bone brilliantly. Uh, check out the reviews podcast which for much more of that we'll definitely be getting into some of the Energon universe stuff uh, whenever you talk about tickling the nostalgia bone well you uh, know this is the big one for me this month well I mean it gets the cover and everything you know you, it's a beautiful cover no less it is uh, the cover is by David Nakayama uh, and it's written by buddy of the store Declan Shelby as well so yeah an 80's cartoon favourite is making a return as Keith says and damn it Dynamite have got their hooks in me again with another title <laughs> Uh, favorite horror movie of mine gets the comic treatment this month as well and the turtles are also back after the massive success of the last ronin with a sequel to that so i'm actually uh they've recently re-released uh the last ronin you know in singles yeah uh, i hadn't it was one that i missed the first time around um and I've been picking it up. I've read the first couple. And I'm really enjoying that. I'm really enjoying Brilliant that. Brilliant book for getting people back into the Turtles, I think, because you didn't need to know anything about it yep. other than who the four were, Splinter and the general stuff. But, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there'll be a sequel coming for that, which we'll talk about a little bit as well. So yeah, all in all, a strong indie month. But then again, when isn't there? Very much, very much so. But uh, in saying that, we'll kick things off with the DC book anyway. And I had mentioned that the biggest title this month is definitely Batman and... You know, it's Batman 142, but this is very much a jumping on point for new readers. It's going to be a three-issue arc uh, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Giuseppe Camoncoli. Uh, and it is tackling the Joker. It's uh, subtitled The Joker Year One. So it's going to be shipping weekly, as I say. Uh, the first issue going on sale 6th of February. Then you have 13th and then, of course, 20th of February. So the little sort of uh, blurb for this is the tragic death of the leader of the Red Hood Gang in a vat of chemicals has become the subject of myth. But what is the heartbreaking and gruesome tale of the monster who walked away from that violent birth 
and how does it affect Batman's distant future? The Joker year one begins here. So this is an interesting idea. I mean, Zdarsky's definitely laying it all on the line with this one because, you know, the Joker famously doesn't have a definitive origin. It's very well, much a multiple choice origin. It's kind of, it's interesting. I mean, I, I thought the last issue of, uh, of Batman was 137 mm-hmm. uh, was potentially, you know, the 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 strongest of uh the strongest of of chips right so far and in that he mentions the three jokers yeah no very much so i think it's the best uh issue so far i mean i've enjoyed his run i think a little more than you but uh i do think that that issue just stepped it up a little gear which was which was nice to see so so as i say yeah you're going to get batman 142 143 and 144 over that three week period and even if it's just a wee three issue arc that you're interested in you know if this is something you wanted to add to your pull list that interests you. You don't have to jump on Batman and then stick with it all. If you just want these three issues, just specify that with us when uh, when placing that order. Is it significant that there are three artists and there are three Jokers? Well, it could just be, and it's three issues. Hmm. Well, I mean, if you continue on with the, the blurbs, you know, part two is the terrifying tale of the Joker year one continues as a mysterious figure from Batman's past comes into the Joker's orbit, changing the clown prince of crime forever. And what secrets does the reformed Red Hood gang have for Batman's future? And then the third issue is climactic, chilling conclusion that will have massive repercussions for the future. The Red Hood gang is on a rampage and only the only man who can stop them is the Joker. And can Batman stop a devastating new virus in the future where the Joker looms over him? So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. Definitely the standout title for me this month. And that's not just because it's on the cover. <laughs> Another, well, it's a, it's a number one title, uh, so the first uh, of our DC picks uh, this month that is a number one title, and it's really because I've got a softness for the Super Sons, for Peter J. Tomasi as well, uh, and it's Sinister Sons number one, uh, it's for release on the 13th of February, uh, and uh, written by Peter J. Tomasi and art by David Lafuente. Um, there's a, a series of uh, acetate variant covers as well by Pete Woods. Uh, says they're bad to the bone, ready to brawl, and the sons of two of the deadliest villains in the galaxy. They're the sinister sons, and DC Universe will never be the same. When the son of General Zod was cast off uh, his adopted homeworld of New Candor, Lor Zod uh, runs afoul of a kid in a mission. Sinson, who is out to prove he's got what it takes to live up to the family name of Sinestro, but all is not as it seems, and the son's journey will take them into the heart of darkness. In this sensational first issue, Superstar... Super Sons scribe, wow, <laughs> say that three times fast. Peter J. Tomasi returns to the world of DC Youth once again, joined by fan favorite artist David Lefuente to craft one of the most dynamic debuts of a duo in DCU history. Wow, that was quite the mouthful going through all of that. I mean, yeah, Tomasi has that uh, experience, as you say, with Super Sons, obviously doing Damian Wayne, Jonathan Kent for so long. There's a cracking omnibus actually of that, which can collects the entire run. You know, it is a little bit of a shame that it's not uh, Patrick Gleason, of course, doing the art who did all of Super Sons. Yeah. But of course, he's made the the jump to Marvel. So, um, interested in is this a is this a one shot? Is it an ongoing? Uh, that's the one thing about uh, about DC Connect. It doesn't really doesn't really give you that indication. Uh, I mean, usually DC Connect's pretty good about it. Mm. Um, Could it know, just be a one shot. Yeah, might just be. Mm. Might just be. Um, yeah, because the next one up, for example, is uh, it says one of five. Yeah. And with this one, this is Suicide Squad Kill Arkham Asylum. This was originally solicited a little while back. This is actually a prequel to the upcoming Rocksteady game, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Um, and I know that game got delayed, so obviously then they've delayed the comic as well because 
the comic's actually going to have download, downloadable codes mm-hmm. to um, utilize it in the game. So uh, this is written by John Lehman, creator of Chew, amongst many other things, and art by Jesus Herves. And before the Suicide Squad sets their sights on the Corrupted Justice League in the upcoming video game, join us for this thrilling prequel and witness them kill Arkham Asylum. Amanda Waller has taken control of the recently rebuilt Arkham and her brutal tactics and merciless methods have led to the, mo- have led to the most secure asylum Gotham has ever known. But when the cell doors open and the inmates are left in a free-for-all deathmatch, Waller's true intentions reveal themselves. Identify the strongest, smartest, and most brutal to serve her on Task Force X. Each print issue includes a redeemable code for a bonus digital token in Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, inspired by the comic. Get the new Mr. Zaz digital doll with issue 1. Paying subscribers with the DC Universe Infinite Annual or Ultra... This is all getting really complicated. <laughs> let's just say there's digital codes. Okay, that, digital uh, codes. There are redeemable every cool, issue. Cool. Um, because you get to the bottom here and it's like, terms apply. DC Universe Infinite is not intended for children. Let's just say this looks fun. Five issues. John Lehman's always good value. And there'll be downloadable codes for the games. Yes, indeed. John Lehman. Uh, someone else we've interviewed. Indeed. And that was a fun one. Yeah, it was. Cool. So... Uh, Sticking, I suppose, with bat-related things, we've got Red Hood the Hill, which is a six-issue miniseries, the first issue of which is released on the 13th of the month, uh, written by Sean Martinborough and art by Sanford Green. The, uh, the, the, the cover looks pretty awesome, actually. It's a, it's a beautiful cover. Uh, I think it is by also by Sanford Green, who is the, the internal artist. It says, Welcome to the Hill, formerly one of Gotham's most dangerous suburbs, a place that required its residents to band together to keep themselves safe from the, when the police, and sometimes even Batman, wouldn't. Now as the Hill finds itself gentrifying, old habits die hard as the vigilante known only as Strike works with her team to keep the town safe. But she's not alone. Jason Tom, Jason Todd, one of the Hill's newest residents, is more than happy to don the visage of Red Hood to help Strike keep his new home safe. But a new enemy is emerging from the shadows. Will Red Hood, Strike, and the Hill's small militia of vigilantes be able to keep their home safe? Check out Red Hood's return to find out. Now, Red Hood's been through a fair wee bit uh, throughout the um, Gotham War, the Gotham War uh, at the hands of uh, no less than his mentor, Bruce Wayne, who kind of uh, fed him a him a version of fear gas wasn't it yeah it was to basically put him off the idea of being a crime fighter yeah uh but we do still wonder how much of uh bruce wayne's psyche is being controlled by the batman of zurana mm-hmm. so he's not particularly in his right mind with it but yeah i mean red hood's a character that we we've plenty of people come into the store always asking for red hood stories and it's hard to point to any definitive ones outside of under the red hood uh, which of course did recently get a lovely deluxe edition and i've read that myself recently it was pretty fantastic but this is a writer who worked on Red Hood Outlaw, I believe, which ran for 50 odd yes, issues. Yes, yeah. So it's someone who knows the knows the series well. And, so. I mean, it's worth noting, they've also solicited the week before Red Hood The Hill Zero, uh, number zero. I like an old zero issue. Uh, written also, in this case, by Sean Martinborough, art this time by Tony Ekins and Moritat, with a cover by Sanford Green, who is, uh, again, the cover artist and the interior artist for Red Hood number one. And this, uh, it says, before you embark on Red Hood's newest adventure in the hill, experience the story that introduced Jason to his new home. As the Joker War ravages Gotham, a new vigilante group has formed to protect their turf, and Red Hood finds himself caught in the crossfire. The thrilling tale collects Red Hood uh, Outlaw number 51 and number 52, and is essential reading to get you ready for all hell to come to the hill in Red Hood the Hill. So there you are. Worth having a wee look. 48 pages for three ninety nine. not bad. Yeah, so get your uh, issue zero before issue one, and then... 
as you say, I think that's a six-issue miniseries. It is, yeah. yeah. That's exactly what it is. Well, time for the first mention of Silly Size on the pod. And uh, I'm sorry, Keith, there's no getting away from this. You will be on this whether you like Silly Size or mm. not because this is this is up there with the most exciting-looking titles, I think, of the month. Uh, it's legendary writer Dan Jurgens uh, working on a Black Label title with artist Mike Perkins, Oof. who's the artist on uh, Rambi's Swamp Thing most yep. recently. Uh, they retell one of Batman's most infamous cases through an acutely modern lens. So this is called The Batman, hyphen as Spider-Man would be right there. Uh, First Night, number one. It's going to be a three-issue miniseries. And just got a really, really intriguing um, hook, this one. So the year is 1939. The world still reeling from the horrors of the First World War is on the brink of tipping into an even more gruesome conflict as fascism is on the march and gathering strength in America's darkest corners. Against this backdrop, a series of violent murders has begun in Gotham and the recent emergence of the mysterious vigilante known as The Batman has the power brokers of the city living in fear of institutional collapse. All of the evidence in the murder investigation defies logic. The perpetrators are all men who died in the electric chair. But when The Batman comes face to face with one of these sickening anomalies, he barely escapes with his life, throwing into question his ability to survive in a world that is brutally evolving around him. Legendary writer Dan Jurgens and superstars Mike Perkins return to the earliest days of the Dark Knight, retelling one of his most infamous cases through an acutely modern lens, depicting a world paralyzed by anxiety and a desperate populace crying out for release. I mean, the covers alone of this look pretty fantastic, uh, that main cover by Mike Perkins. But a little interesting side note is that um, hopefully we could get uh, a lot of pre-orders on this because it'd be nice to qualify for that 1-25, to which shows the Batman drawing debut of one. Jacob Phillips. Oh. First ever time drawing Batman. I saw him recently shared on Twitter. Thought it looked great. Yep, thought, yep. oh, nice variant. Of course, it's a retailer in Central. Uh, so, I wonder if you had a word in his ear. Well, you know, we might just be able to get him to, you know, send us one or two. We shall see. We shall see. So, uh, yeah, I think that looks awesome. The preview art for it looks pretty great. And again, it's a very unique look at Batman. Like, even down to the design of the cowl there it's very much in keeping with uh you know batman's first appearance so yeah very very much looking forward to that how many issues did we say that was gonna be three gonna be three lovely just like uh the original batman silly size batman dan, batman dan wasn't it yeah um well silly size is going to get get me for two that particular month um silly size but it's not necessarily terribly silly price 4.99 um john constantine hellblazer dead in america number two I mention it because uh, at this stage you'll still be able to get the the number ones yeah. uh, from your good self, and uh, I also mention it because it's a follow up to uh, one of the greatest series of the last few years, which was uh, Hellblazer by Cy Spurrier and Aaron Campbell. Uh, so this is also written by Cy Spurrier and art by Aaron Campbell, a man who I uh, <laughs> shared a fantastic moment with at a urinal <laughs> with just Harrogate. In the most infamous <laughs> yeah, of uh, bathrooms. Yes, quite. Um, with the spectre of mortality breathing down his neck, John heads to the Big Easy where he enlists the skills of old friend Clarice Sackville to heal the fractured mind of Alec Holland to Swamp Thing and use that elemental power to kickstart his own dead heart. John is always doing something for her. You know, there's never, it's never just, you know, I'm doing this to be nice. I'm doing <laughs> this, I'm doing this to, uh, to, to, to Always help to Alec, Alec Holland doing this because I need to restart my own heart uh, because she can do that but it will require a drug-induced journey into distant realms that will shake John to his rotten core and meanwhile Nat and Noah uh, learn the magical lengths Clarice is willing to go to in order to extend her own terrifyingly long life 
I'm really looking forward to this. Really looking forward to this. Yeah, pre-orders are strong on that one as well. But as Keith says, if it's something you haven't uh, put down yet, but it does interest you, there's still time to get on the pre-order board for issue one, which is due in January. Uh, so that's pretty much it for the DC single issue side of things. But as I mentioned in the intro, I think it's a really strong month for DC collected editions as well. So first of all, we see the release of the three trade paperbacks of the We Are Legends line. So... Uh, this is DC's groundbreaking We Are Legends initiative where captivating new characters with roots in Asian heritage make an impact in the DC universe with authentic stories told by Asian talent. So there was three series here. They were all six issue minis. They're all coming to an end or have come to an end in the last week or two. You had Spirit World uh, written by Alyssa Wong with art and cover by Haining. Uh, City Boy written by Greg Pak with art by Minkyu Young. And my personal favourite of the three, which was The Vigil, written by Ram V, with art by Lila Sharma, Dev Malia Pramanik, and Sid Kotian. So these were all fantastic series. You know, Spirit World, yep. Constantine made mm -hmm. an appearance, yep. of course. Uh, City Boy, you had a lot of appearances in it, actually. Superman turned up in City Boy, and Nightwing turned up in City Boy. Um, so there was good connections to the main DC universe. And then The Vigil was just a fantastic sort of metahuman special ops title really really good mm. stuff so i i kind of hope that these titles will find bigger audiences they've certainly trades, you know? they've certainly introduced a bunch of great new characters to the dc universe uh very much so um xanthi zhao uh was was fantastic her she's like a chinese hero uh and she could she could travel between the the land of the living and the spirit world and she could um use ceremonial joss paper uh which is you know part of chinese ceremonies mm -hmm. uh you, you you like almost do uh, what do you call it uh, folding um origami origami that's the one thank you very much which is of course a, a japanese word but uh, she could fold it and burn it and then like make the item a real thing that she could use but it was a really great really great story and drew upon a lot of chinese mythology um city boy was great too um it was uh a Korean hero, uh, Cameron Kim, uh, and he, you know, could use the powers of the city to uh, to find lost things and uh, and and much more than that. Um, he had this dialogue with cities and could en engage the city and and engage the spirit of the city. So, really, really cool stuff. I really hope we uh, I really hope we see all of these heroes again. I mean, I loved the visual, but you've read the visual, but you've already said enough about that. <laughs> you know, um, City Boy was Greg Pack. Uh, which was, he's a, a bit of a legend himself, so great stuff, yeah. Yeah, well, what's cool about it as well is uh, with the Vigil, it's just the six issues in the trade, which is, you know, great in itself, but with Spirit World as well as the six issue mini, you're getting some stories from Lazarus Planet, Dark Fate number one, and DC Pride 2023, and with City Boy, you're getting the one to six, but also uh, some material from Lazarus Planet, Legends Reborn, and the Wildstorm 30th Anniversary Special as well, so they're pretty definitive for these characters, uh, another bigger, more expensive volume, but you know, very much an essential book. If if you don't get it in this format, that's absolutely absolutely fine. But definitely search it out if you've never read it, and that is All Star Superman. So it's getting the absolute treatment, which of course is you know the oversized hardcover treatment, expanding the size of the art, uh, thick card uh, slipcase. So it's very much a higher end book, but uh, this is a story that definitely deserves it. Uh, written by Grant Morrison, art and cover by Frank Quitely. So. From legendary comic storytellers Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly comes one of the greatest Superman stories ever imagined. Following a mission to the surface of the sun, the Man of Steel finds that his invulnerable body has been pushed beyond its limit. 
An exorable countdown has begun and death is the only possible outcome. Faced with this knowledge, the last son of Krypton embarks on his final and greatest adventure, preparing his adopted homeworld for a future without Superman. That's the complete 12-issue miniseries all in one. And as I say, getting the absolute treatment. Now, it is an advanced solicitation. It's obviously in this book, but it doesn't. Uh, it's not scheduled to ship until the 30th of July. So plenty of time to get orders in for that one, I would say. Mm, there's uh, there's one, one of those Omnis that's kind of... Well, there's a couple um, that I'm, I'm interested in. One I'm more interested in because I don't own the singles. And that's one I've always been interested in getting into. And that's Justice League Dark Rebirth Omnibus. Uh, written by James Tinian IV and Ram V. Uh, it was about this time that I sort of became aware of both of those writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, art was by Alvaro Martinez Bueno and others. It is a 1,500 page bad boy. Uh, it's coming in at uh, $150. So that's what, like 10 cents a page. That's not too bad. Um, and it's on sale. Well, it's, I mean, it's it's an early solicit. The last edge of magic is upon us. Wonder Woman has gathered the DC Universe's greatest and strangest to form a new Justice League Dark to protect the world at any cost. But is it too late? This collects Justice League Dark 1-29, to annuals, a couple of annuals, uh, Justice League Dark Wonder Woman crossovers, a whole raft of stuff. The, the, the endless um, stuff, the endless winter stuff. Uh, is all in there. There's some there's some core Justice League stuff. There's some Flash stuff, some Aquaman stuff. So and uh, Future State things. So it's quite something. Yeah, it shows how definitive it is that it does collect all of that stuff. But yeah, that that runs fantastic. That's arguably the best Justice League Dark run. There was a a good run done during the New Fifty Two as well. I think it was Peter Milligan and uh, Mikael Yannon did a lot of the art. But mm. this was fantastic. And of course. You should recognize one of the artists now, Alvaro Martinez Bueno, a bit mm-hmm. more. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Also worked with Tinian on Nice House. Nice House mm-hmm. on the Lake, exactly. Uh, but just a couple more additions just to finish off with. The uh, last one from me is uh, another in the line of these sort of DC great value compendiums. So when it comes to omnibuses, they're slightly bigger, slightly thicker, hard covers, um, lovely dust jackets very premium sort of products but these are always doing compendiums which are more in line with like the walking dead compendiums the invincible compendium so you know just pretty much a thin card stock cover but tons of material and really well priced so they recently released for example i think it was last week there was a kyle rayner green lantern book they're releasing some of the uh, chuck dixon robin run and the chuck dixon nightwing run over the next few months but one that's definitely been asked for an awful lot because this is a character that gets next to no modern titles whatsoever and that's lobo written by keith giffen and alan grant of course in the first place you know simon bisley one of the artists on there and this is going to be lobo the big fragging compendium number one so this is going to be, you know, you're talking about the Justice League Dark one, working out like 10 cents a page, whatever. This is $60, but this is 1,200 pages. Oof. So this works out even better value. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, so the thing with Lobo is Lobo's never really had an ongoing title. So what this is, is this is a collection of loads of little miniseries. So uh, everything from the start, miniseries 1 to 4, 0 to 9, annuals, Christmas specials, 4-issue miniseries the whole way through it. Um, tons of really good stuff and I think that'll be a big seller because a lot of people really want to see this stuff again you know DC was maybe taking more risks with its storytelling a little bit edgier sort of in the 90, late 80s and the 90s sort mm-hmm. of that era so it's good to see that coming back to print um, it is an advanced solicitation as well but it does come a little earlier than some of the omnibuses we talk about it is due out in April lovely 
one that again is if you haven't read if you haven't read the story if you haven't read the run an omnibus can be the perfect way to to get into it you know it's a, it's an outlay of money but whenever you know it's good it's well well worth it i think you'd agree now for me one of the best runs to have come out of dc over the last bunch of years was joshua williamson's run on the flash it was the run that was running alongside tom king's batman run you know but but joshua williamson just seemed to just quietly plug away and just produce real quality stuff uh, over a period of of years and years and years uh so the flash by joshua williamson omnibus volume number one obviously written by Joshua Williamson with uh, bits and pieces by Tom King, Michael Moretti and Robert Vendetti. Art by uh, Carmine de Giudominico, Howard Porter, uh, Neil Gouge and others. Uh, it is just over a thousand pages, this first uh, omnibus. So I think the whole series will be collected across maybe three omnibus. So that'll be, you know, more than 3,000 pages. But uh, well, well worth it. Superstar writer Joshua Williamson, along with the artists uh, Carmine De Giudominico and Howard Porter, send Barry Allen, a.k.a. The Flash, and some of the wildest adventures of the modern age in this series spinning out of the DC Rebirth event. In a changed DC universe, The Flash must face off against threats like he's never encountered before. His legendary rogues gallery of villains, Captain Cold, Mer- Mirror Master, Weather Wizard, and Heatwave have new surprises in store for him, while enemies old and new threaten at every turn. The first volume of this new omnibus series collects The Flash Rebirth number 1, The Flash 1 to 35, Batman 21 and 22, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps 32, Justice League 32 and 33, and a story from DC Holiday Special 2017 number 1 and features an introduction from Williamson and dozens of pages of behind the scenes development art. So, if you didn't happen to catch this run first time round, I would highly recommend doing it like this. Yeah, very much a modern classic right there. Yeah, when you said Tom Kane, I was curious if that was the button. That's what those issues are, the Batman yeah. 21 and 22. Yeah, they would be, yeah. Which, of course, was the lead-up to Doomsday Clock. Yes, so yes, of course. pretty definitive there to kick things off. And as Keith says, if you're going to be committing to that, that's probably the best value way of, of, uh, of doing so. You know, yeah. and, uh, and uh, you know, from that, as a result of that, partly then, you know, I mean, Joshua Williamson became the guy who was marshalling the, the DC universe, really, for a while there. Yeah, very much It so. continues to be. Very, very much so. Although I'd say maybe Tom Taylor is that guy now, with certainly with Titans and mm-hmm. Beast World, which is coming out, and you know, so maybe Tom Taylor's taken it over since. But yeah, Joshua Williamson, of course, did Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths as an example. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, so that is the DC book. Again, of course, there is more throughout the book than what we've went through. Those are just the main titles that we're looking forward to most. So. We'll move away from DC and on to the House of Ideas. So why don't you kick things off from the Marvel book? Cool. Um, going to kick things off with a wee bit of a strange one because I've rarely engaged in this uh, in this sort of side of things, and that is the Edge of Spider Verse. Obviously, I, I read the original Spider Verse, but I kind of got a wee bit jaded with it whenever it, you know, kind of iterated and iterated, and I just kind of went, "Okay, this isn't this isn't for me," but. Edge of the Spider-Verse number one of four has Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly in charge uh, with uh, Nyla Magruder uh, on writing, uh, Travel Foreman and Eric Gapster on art. The now perennial Spider-Hit is back as we start to build to the biggest Spider-Verse story we've ever done. Ever. We all know who Weapon X is, but who is Weapon 8? In their universe, when Weapon X escapes from his facility, they call on the greatest previous success to get him back. 
Spider-Bite returns. You may not have realised that the original digital avatar spider character who made her big screen debut in Across the Spider-Verse came from the comics first, but she did. And she's back in comics now, and you don't want to miss her. So there you are. When you say Spider-Bite, I was thinking of someone else. Yes, you were. I was thinking of Tom Taylor's Spider-Bite. Yes, you were, yeah. Uh, Spider-Bite as in B-Y-T-E. There you are. Uh, So yeah, interesting to see Lansing and Kellinger actually, they're all over this book this month. Um, and it's interesting to, to see. DC and Marvel at the moment, so we're well, doing a bit of both. So. Absolutely. So, uh, so there you are. So we'll kick off with that. But uh, something that's a much more interesting, certainly to me, perhaps not uh, to yourself as a as a younger man. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're talking literally a couple of years. Here. But uh, no, I wasn't reading Marvel in the nineties. So when uh, Keith was flicking through the previews book, I I heard a ooh, and then I saw what he was looking at, and I just sort of did that Guardians of the Galaxy esque. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the uh, the 90s hero who is making a, a welcome return uh, to the modern Marvel Universe is Night Thrasher, the former leader of uh, the New Warriors. Night Thrasher 1 of 4 is written by Jay Holtham, who you may not be terribly familiar with, but is a, is a, a screenwriter, playwright, uh, known for uh, shows like Supergirl, uh, Jessica Jones and The Handmaid's Tale. So uh, I don't know if he's done any more any comics before, but certainly he's on this. Uh, art is by uh, Nelson Daniel. Uh, it's time to thrash the night. The death of a loved one draws Dwayne Taylor back to New York City. Though his days of night thrasher are long over, but Dwayne finds the past difficult to outrun when Silhouette, his ex-teammate from the New Warriors, seeks his help against a new criminal called the OG. And the mystery of the OG's true identity and what's come and what's to come will change Night, Thrash- Night Thrasher's legacy forever. Don't miss this bold new direction for a cult classic character who's leaving the 90s behind. Uh, so that is, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. On the plus side, it's good to see a character that you hold such reverence for and it's not being written by Steve Orlando. <laughs> well, it's nice, it is, it's nice to see that. Night Thrasher was well known in the 90s for being uh, a rough, tough vigilante who skateboarded. Uh, so he he got everyone a skateboard, but uh, rough, tough vigilante who skateboards that doesn't make sense. There's a bunch of variant covers for here uh, for this. Um, there's an homage variant cover by Trad Moore. There's a Black History Month variant cover by uh, Davy Go, and there's a variant cover by Mark Bagley. Spider Man royalty as well. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And uh, another one from me from the uh, the Marvel book. As soon as I can uh, find it. Yeah, it's a lovely one shot, I believe this, because uh, they're doing a giant size yeah, Spider Man the... in January. Yeah, so I mean, giant size are uh, are, are perennial Marvel uh, sort of Marvel themes, Marvel formats, you know. So, uh, and I suppose it gives them a chance to to fire out a, a forty eight page whatever one shot and charge a wee bit more for it. Uh, but in this case, giant size Fantastic Four is bringing back uh, Fabian Nicisa, a legendary Marvel writer, uh, well known for his and co creator of Deadpool, despite what Rob Liefeld said. <laughs> And the art is by uh, by Chris Lee. Uh, cover by Brian Hitch looks fantastic. It reads Imperious Rex, and we know that to be the war cry of Namor the Submariner. Namor is imprisoned, serving out his sentence as the disgraced king of Atlantis. So when a new yet ancient threat arises from the sea, who better to leap into the fray than Marvel's first family, the Fantastic Four? Writer Fabian Nicesa and artist Chris Lee join forces for a giant-sized deep dive into some of Atlantis's most dangerous history. Uh, and the present can, and the present that can scarcely hope to contain it. 
Uh, plus, includes a reprinting of Fantastic Four number 33, a classic issue from Stanley and Jack Kirby, featuring betrayal, action, and high drama in the Atlantean style. So uh, that's giant size Fantastic Four number one. Cool. So we'll move away from that and on to Keith had mentioned, of course, in the intro, certainly Marvel's new commitment to the Ultimate Universe. You know, first we had Ultimate Vision, we had the Ultimate Universe one show, we have Ultimate Spider-Man launching in January, and then in February we have Ultimate Black Panther number one launching, which is going to be written by Brian Hill with art and covers by Stefano Caselli. So the new Ultimate Black Panther in the wake of Ultimate Invasion, Khonshu and Ra, the force together known as Moon Knight are seeking to expand their brutal control of the continent of Africa. In response to the lone bulwark against them, the isolated nation of Wakanda will send forth its champion, its king, the Black Panther. From the creative minds of Brian Hill, who's recently been doing great work through Blade, also did the Killmonger miniseries, and Stefano Caselli, artist on X-Men Red and Avengers, comes a bold new take on the world of Black Panther and Wakanda. It almost sounds like this should be called Ultimate Black Panther slash Moon Knight. <laughs> you know? You know, Marvel do loads of team-up books all the time. Why not call this Ultimate Team-Up? Well, I suppose they're against each other. Yeah, right? it's not really a team-up. Or a Marvel 2-in-1 or something. You yeah. I mean, like, Moon Knight is just as prevalent in that intro as, uh, or that blurb as Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. But yeah, no, the Ultimate Universe, I mean, I'm very much all in at the moment. You know, I've been, I spoke about it in previous pods. I've been rereading Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate X-Men, The Ultimates. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Jonathan Hickman cooks up in the new Ultimate Universe and all of the very talented people he's got working with him yeah, as well. Yeah, big style. And, and he, yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100% enjoyed enjoyed the, the Ultimate uh, Invasion mm-hmm. and also that Ultimate Universe one-shot was very, very good. So he's, he's, he's going a different direction with it for sure. Um, I'm going to pick up with one of uh, Marvel's retro picks, uh, which are the, the nostalgia-tinged... Uh, five-issue miniseries they've been putting out, Storm, Gambit, uh, various uh, various uh, series like that by classic writers. And this one is by classic writer Chris Claremont. You may know his name uh, from uh, everything, uh, but not least his fantastic run on X-Men. And uh, the artist in this is Edgar Salazar, and it's Wolverine Madripoor Knights, number one of five. So you know that uh, Logan has a, an association with Madripoor under his uh, his uh, alias of Patch, uh, where he, he's, a, he's a, a, a one-eyed crime lord. Uh, but there was a classic tale, and earlier on, actually, off, uh, off mic, we were talking about what our first graphic novels were, and... I think mine, I think one of the first, because I, I sort of came to the trade paperbacks late, and I think one of the first I got was was that reprinting of that Wolverine Cap Black Widow story from around Uncanny, Uncanny X-Men 268, mm-hmm. which all took place in Madripoor, and I think this is where this is picking up. It says, Claremont, Cap, Widow and Wolverine, together again. Return to the island nation of Madripoor as X-Men legend Chris Claremont takes the helm of the all-new Wolverine tale, uh, teaming Logan with his long-standing friends, Captain America and Black Widow. Picking up in the window of the all-time classic, Uncanny X-Men 268, I couldn't go that far wrong, uh, thrilled to a brand new adventure. When a secret weapon brings Captain America to Madripoor, the trio team-up uh, you've been waiting for decades for will finally come to pass as the mission brings Logan and Black Widow into the race against time against a multitude of foes, including The Hand. You've been waiting for this one, and you'll never guess where it goes. I think I'll be picking that one up. 
You'll never guess where it goes. It will change the Marvel Universe. <laughs> well, that's a retro pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can look at a different title instead that will change the Marvel Universe forever. Please do. In a what-if format, if oh. you will. So, yeah, I mean, what if, I mean, per Chip Zdarsky, he redesigned a brand new what-if label for what-if Spider Shadow. And now they've just reverted back to the classic what-if logo uh, for one that is coming, which is five-issue miniseries, which is what-if Venom number one. So... I mean, the what if ones have sort of, have sort of changed a little bit. You know, it used to be they were always one shots. They were always, you know, what if Uncle Ben hadn't have died, or what if, you know, the Venom symbiote had bonded with, you know, what if Peter had let the symbiote in, or, you know, the, these sort of different things. So a mini series is sort of a different thing. Although I kind of like the idea. Of this one, I have to say. Uh-huh. So it's five issues. What if Venom, written by Jeremy Holt with art by Jesus Hervas. And the cover sort of gives it away. The idea is going to be, it's going to be five different issues of what if the symbiote bonded with this hero. Uh-huh. And I need your help for who one of these are. Clearly that's Loki, top right. Clearly that's Doctor Strange, top left. Clearly that's Wolverine, bottom left. Clearly that's Moon Knight to the right. But I see a green leg. I don't know if that's supposed to be Iron Fist. Or, I don't know, it's a Lino U cover. Right. Um... I'll let you find it in the book. But yeah, years ago in a familiar church tower, the Venom symbiote was spurned by Peter Parker and found a willing host in this ve- in the vengeful and wrathful Eddie Brock. Or at least that's the story you know. From Rising Stars, Jeremy Holt, who's worked on Marvel Voices Spider-Verse and Jesus Hervas, Marvel Unleashed, comes an all-new look at what makes the Marvel Universe's most sinister symbiote tick with a journey that reimagines its earliest days, bonded to a host with a rage and temper entirely different from those of Eddie Brock. So that green leg to me is that... Iron Fist? No, that's not Iron Fist. Is it uh, Rogue? Is the only other one that came to Iron No, Island? I don't think it is. I'm looking at the... I'm looking at... It's I'm like lo- a pink and black type yeah. thing going on there close to the, the divide. But as I say, definitely Wolverine bottom left. Definitely Doctor Strange top left. Definitely Loki top right. Definitely Moon Knight to that yeah, side. Yeah, is it... That's the only one that's Is it there. Clea? Is it... Uh, Baron Mordo... Uh, no, I just saw green tights and thought Iron Fist. No, it's not Iron Fist. No, it's not. I don't. Th- I don't think so. Anyway, uh, I guess we'll just have to wait until issue four to find out. <laughs> I think you might be on the something. Yeah, there's. Uh, I don't know. I. I don't. There's. There's kind of black um, bits and pieces coming. Out. I don't know what the crack is there at all. Nope. Yeah. Oh well. Mr. Marvel has failed me. Oh, not to worry. It'll be all right. It's not. It doesn't look like the Hulk or She Hulk. No, I don't think it's uh, bulky enough for that. Yeah. So. Anyway, um, just a wee reminder, I think, uh, that uh, in February, uh, Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars number two facsimile edition uh, will be coming out. Uh, it starts in January and will be running throughout the whole year uh, of 2024. They're releasing every uh, every issue, which is just it's just fantastic. It's Probably going to... 40th anniversary, isn't it? It is Secret Wars 40th anniversary, which is mad <laughs> to think not to make you feel old at all written by Jim Shooter penciled by Mike Zek and covered by Mike Zek there's a foil variant cover also available this was before the time of foil variant covers so interesting the Beyonder has assembled all of the players in Battle World now it's time to fight Spider-Man and the various members of the Avengers, Fantastic Four and X-Men, have barely gotten settled in their new surroundings when an army of villains attack and the Beyonder's new planet learns the true meaning of battle. But while this battalion of bad guys looks looks to secure an early victory, two of the Marvel Universe's heavyweight schemers make plans of their own. What does Doctor Doom want with Galactus? Why has Magneto gone solo in a fortress of his own? 
And as the dust settles on the first round of the Beyonder's Secret War, who will be left standing? It's one of the all-time great Marvel comic books, boldly represented in its original form, ads and all, reprinting Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars number two. I'll probably, I'll probably grab it. Yeah, pre-orders for this are already strong. I mean, it's a maybe a reminder of a simpler time when Marvel did events, and you know, there's not thirty tie-in books, and there's not this, and there's not that. It's twelve issues. It's every Marvel hero crammed in there, and uh, you know, it's. We're, we're still feeling its effects today. I mean, if you do want a really good deep dive into Secret Wars, you can go way back in this podcast feed, and we did a book club on it once. We did, yeah, we did. A uh-huh. long time I introduced ago. you and Roddy to the wonder of Secret Wars. You did indeed. Uh-huh. So, uh, but yeah, no, as Keith says, there's basically going to be all 12 issues released this year, one a month. Basically makes it like a, you know, a, a new title coming out every month. So if you want to read Secret Wars as it intentionally or as it originally came out in the first place, then this is a good way of doing it. And as Keith says, there is a, a standard cover or there is that foil variant cover, which I think it's just a foil redo of the main cover. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. Um I think you're right. So another great one I think, uh, if you don't mind me picking another one here. Not at all. Predator number one of four by Ed Brisson and Francesco Mana. Now, the, the way they've been doing these Predator books have just been a series of four-issue miniseries, uh, all written by Ed Brisson, so all continuing the story of Theta, mm-hmm. picking it up. You know, she she was a kid in the in the, in the first one and, and is now a, a grown Predator hunter. Fantastic character. Uh, so the hunt continues. For years, Theta has hunted and killed Predators in her search for the one that killed her parents. Now she's on a mission to free the human captives from the Predator's game preserve. But when a super Predator is on the loose, even a seasoned hunter like Theta can become prey. Ed Breeson returns, joined by superstar artist Francesco Mana in an epic New York that will leave you on the edge of your seat. These have been fantastic. Been very, very good. I'm loving how they're reintroducing or introducing the Predator to the world of the Marvel Universe uh, through Ed Breeson's work, but also through uh, Jason Aaron's work on... It's Jason Aaron, isn't it? No, Benjamin Percy. Oh, Benjamin Percy, yes, absolutely. Sorry, other bearded, deep-voiced individual. <laughs> through uh, Predator and Wolverine. Yeah, issue three came out this week as we're recording, yeah. and it is pretty damn great. I mean, you mentioned Jason Aaron just to throw up a quick tangent, but I don't know, did you pick up Batman Off-World? I have picked it up, but as you know... Oh, I know you're a couple of weeks yeah. behind, but that first issue is bloody brilliant. Do you know what the closest thing I would compare it to? Oh, the, yes. The opening of it is very similar to the opening of the Aliens. Right. Like, it's such a unique tone. Okay, okay. But we'll yeah. get into that really in looking, Really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. I will... Uh, I've got a, I've got seven more working days left before Christmas. Uh so before the, the holidays, uh, so I've got a few long weekends and this and that and the other. So I will be caught up before in very long. No time. Yeah. In no time. Well, I mean, we stay in that world of movie monsters. We move from Predator to Alien, and this is uh, Alien Black, White, and Blood is starting this month. So, of course, Marvel's been doing this for the last couple of years. You know, um, you know, you had Wolverine Black, White, and Red. You had Deadpool Black, White, and Red. You had Carnage Black, White, and Red. They're they did Star Wars Darth Vader Black, White, and Red. There's currently a Marvel Zombies Black, White, and Blood. Well, now they're doing it for Alien Black, White, and Blood, which sounds really, really intriguing to me because they're always anthology books. There's usually a minimum of three stories, sometimes four, different creator for each story. But anything that expands the Alien universe, I think, is really, really interesting. So the Alien universe is only Marvel could imagine a Black, White, Red, and Green. Marvel Comics and 20th Century Studios present the kill fest of an anthology and chest-rending artistic detail. 
Superstars Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. There they are again. And brilliant artist Michael Dowling uh, kick off a generation-spanning story that will continue through all four issues. Fan-favorite writer Ryan Cady explores the limits of compassion in maternal instincts. And rising stars Stephanie Phillips and Marcelo Ferreira bring you The Hunt, a tale of guts, glory, and the most exhilarating of games. So I have no doubt that that is going to be popular, but... One thing I just want to mention on that, just because someone asked me about it in the store the other day, was if you're on the main aliens title, I wouldn't automatically put you on that because this is an anthology book. It's not a, a you know an ongoing title in the same way Aliens is. So if that's something that interests you, just let us know. Uh, I never want to assume people want to jump on a book just because it has the same person or the same character. You know, say you were on Amazing Spider-Man. I wouldn't automatically put you in the six other Spidey titles, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, someone asked me about it the other day, so I just, I just like to make that clear. So, Alien Black, White, and Blood, and if that follows the format of the other anthology Marvel books, that will be four issues. Lovely. Uh, I know you're not a huge fan of the uh, the Star Wars universe. You mind if I slip into the Star Wars corner for a little minute? By all means. So we've got. Uh, I think this one might interest you, given that he is. The baddest Jedi on the block. Um, and that's um, Star Wars Mace Windu, number one of four, by by our, our, well, wouldn't quite say our buddy, but certainly someone I've had an animated conversation about Quantum Leap with. <laughs> uh, Kevin Smith's buddy, Mark Bernardin, uh, who is the writer, and uh, Jorge Jonte is the artist. One of the greatest Jedi must stop an incendiary secret from falling into the wrong hands. Even in the years before the Clone Wars, Mace Windu was known for his discipline, determination, and combat skills. When a scientist's journey threatens the balance of the galaxy, Mace is led down a treacherous path of mystery and action, introducing Azita Cruz, a pirate with a deadly secret, who the Huts and the Republic will stop at nothing to control. Uh, looking good. 40 pages. I have not really gone on to... While I'm a huge fan of the core Star Wars stuff, I haven't picked up Mando because... It's just a retelling of the TV show. Obi Wan, Obi Wan. Yeah, the first one. First one was wasn't, good. but yeah. but I think I will pick up this. We're looking at a we're looking at a young Mace Windu here by the looks of the cover. So uh, definitely something I am interested in. Would you be tempted? Would you be tempted? Uh, maybe give issue one a go. We no, okay. I like Mark Bernardin, so I mean that could bring me in. Plus, you know, plus you know you have to appreciate Samuel L. Jackson coming into Star Wars and being the only person who got a different colored lightsaber. <laughs> You gotta love that kind of sway, you know, being able to do that. Uh, but that'll round off the single issues from the Marvel book. Just a, a couple of collected editions just to round off the Marvel book this month. Uh, the first one is one of our favorite runs of recent times. Uh, one of my favorite dare, uh, one of my favorite Daredevils. One of my favorite Marvel characters, of course, in Daredevil. Uh, and that is the first omnibus for Chip Zdarsky and Marco Cicchetto's run on the character. So this is Daredevil by Chip Zdarsky, Omnibus Hardcover, Volume One. To collect their whole run, you're definitely going to need two volumes. So, written by Chips Zdarsky, art by Marco Cicchetto and various. The cover is absolutely beautiful by Julian Tatino Tedesco. So, uh, after a dangerous brush with death, Matt Murdock must piece together his shattered life. Years of trauma have taken their toll, and becoming the guardian of Hell's Kitchen again won't be easy. Mistakes will be made, and one might prove to be the end of Daredevil. With the criminal dead, Matt must go on the run in a desperate bid to clear his name. Meanwhile, Mayor Wilson Fisk continues to make New York a dangerous place for vigilantes. The oil turns his horrifying sights on Hell's Kitchen, and a gang of lethal supervillains run riot. As Typhoid Mary and Bullseye return, Daredevil makes a surprising stand with a shocking outcome. Now Elektra must step up to fill the role Matt has vacated and show that she is the woman without fear. 
this collects daredevil one to 30 and the daredevil annual number one as well so again an advanced solicit not joined until july of 2024 uh but coming in at a nice trim 100 dollars omnibuses recently have been slowly creeping up to 125 and 135 so it's nice to see this one at 100 dollars. that'll be about 90 pounds but we always try to knock off a wee bit of money where we can so we'll sell it at 80 or 85 but yeah one of the best modern runs i would say without a doubt yep yep uh so yeah daredevil and that is from chip Zdarsky. following on this is something maybe you can educate me on because i have no doubt that you have probably read this mm-hmm but this is a case of me following creators. You know, obviously anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge fan of Rick Remender, mostly for his indie works through Image Comics, you know, Deadly Class, Black Science, blah, 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 blah. But for a long time, he seemed to be like one of the definitive guys at Marvel. You know, he yeah. reinvented Venom for a new generation with Tony Moore. Uh, and with this one, this is the Uncanny X-Force by Rick Remender Omnibus. So written by Rick Remender, and again, some of the best artists around on this. You've got Jerome Opina, who he would go on to do Seven to Eternity with. You've got Isad Rubik. You've got Phil Noto. You've got Mark Brooks. You've got Greg Tacchini, who he would go on to do Low with. He was clearly establishing relationships here with artists. But uh, yeah, Rick Remender puts the uncanny into X-Force in an epic, critically acclaimed run. Psylocke, Archangel, Deadpool, and Phantom X sign up for Wolverine's secret squad of assassins. But their first mission to find and deal with the reborn apocalypse casts a long shadow. As the members of X-Force struggle to come to terms with their actions, one among them unravels in what could only be called the Dark Angel Saga. Certainly familiar deathlocks are returned to the Age of Apocalypse, a warring otherworld and the all-new, all-deadly Brotherhood of Evil Mutants await in Remender's extraordinary exploration of the ethics of execution. Featuring the stunning order of Jerome Pena, Sad Rubik, Phil Noto and more, this collects Uncanny X-Force 1-35, 5.1 and 19.1. And material from Wolverine Road to Hell, Wolverine Dangerous Games, Deadpool uh, 1000 and the all new Wolverine Saga. So I'm guessing this is a run that you probably read. I have every issue of that particular run in the other room. You're more than welcome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it uh, it was a great run. It was very dark. Um, you know, it did it dealt with those with those uh, those different elements of, uh, as you mentioned, you know, um, so yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was a uh, really enjoyable. The Dark Angel Saga in particular was mm-hmm. was really cool. But yeah, I, I mean, it was the the Assassination Squad very much so. So I think you'll uh, I think you'll enjoy that. Nice, nice. And then one final one from me, and that is Marvel have recently started doing these, which are really really cool, which are the modern era epic collections. So for a long time, Marvel have been doing epic collections, which of course are reprints of stories from the past, full color reprints usually anywhere between 15 to 20 issues. But for a long time, they were always stories like going back to the start of Spider-Man or going back to the start of Fantastic Four. But they've started doing these ones called the Modern Era Epic Collections. So I'd mentioned the Rick Remander run for Venom. They recently reprinted that uh, as a Modern Era Epic. They reprinted Spider-Gwen as a Modern Era Epic Collection. And one of my favorite Marvel characters is Black Widow. And uh, this is reprinting a run by Nathan Edmondson and Mitch Dreads on art which caught me off guard. Phil Noto did covers for this run. You know, I've seen issues of this in the store, but never like runs of issues. So it's um, it's definitely one I'll be picking up in its completed uh, edition. So the Black Widow searches for atonement for her past as a KGB assassin. In Russia, Natasha Romanoff goes undercover, but discovers a deadly plot that spans the entire globe. On a snowy night in Prague, the Black Widow must find her way out of disaster alongside the Winter Soldier. 
sold even more. Elsewhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> elsewhere, Natasha fights against or alongside the Punisher, sold even more, for access to a deadly <laughs> criminal network. Here are the shadowy villains that connect to everything and what will the Avengers do when they learn how Natasha has been spending her days off. As the Black Widow finds herself unexpectedly confronted by one of the darkest moments of her past, learn how the first red lines in her ledger were written, is it too late for redemption? This collects Black Widow 1 to 20, Punisher number 9, and material from all new Marvel now, point one. I mean, the only real Black Widow run I've read is the Mark Wade Chris Samney, which is yeah. is a great uh-huh. one. But this is one I definitely want to sink into. Yeah, they really love that. They really love using that uh, that quote from the movie, don't about her ledger, her ledger being read. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they they every time Black Widow comes about, there that's mentioned. Is that something that you read in the past, or uh, no, no, not at all, not at all. Well, no, Nathan Edmondson wrote Punisher for a while. I think he actually wrote it with Mitch Dredd's doing art for it. So uh, there'll be a nice little bit of continuity there as well. So, but yeah, you know me. I mean, I I much prefer the street level stuff and Marvel and the spy yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned Winter Soldier, you mentioned Punisher, you mentioned, but yeah, I'm there. You're so. in. Uh, really enjoying. I really enjoyed the first issue of that new Punisher by David Pappos. Surprisingly violent. Yeah, yeah, which, very, very good. Yeah. Felt felt like an old Punisher war journal. Yeah, nice new take on Punisher. So I'll be curious to see how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. Um. One more for me, if you don't mind. Uh, big fan of the Epic Collections. Big fan of Jumping On Points. And X-Men Epic Collection, Children of the Atom, Trade Paperback, New Printing, is Volume 1 in the X-Men Epic Collections, written by Stan Lee with Roy Thomas, penciled by Jack Kirby with Werner Roth and Alex Toth. Covered by Jack Kirby. Billed as the strangest superheroes of all, the ever-uncanny X-Men blasted into the comic scene in 1963. Now in the massive Epic Collection, and this massive Epic Collection... You can ca- can feast your eyes on Stan and Jack and Co. laying down the building blocks for comics' most famous franchise. You'll experience the beginning of Professor X's team, uh, their mission for peace and brotherhood between man and mutant, their first battle with Archfoe Magneto, the dynamic debuts of Juggernaut, the Sentinels, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and the Golden Age Jungle Man, Kazar, reinvented for a new era. All this and more epic X-Men adventures await within collecting X-Men number 1 to 23 for... The equivalent of fifty dollars. What's that about? About forty-five. Forty-five. Yeah, yeah. Thereabouts. Not bad for a for a chunky five hundred and twenty pages. Indeed. So lovely. Lovely X Men epic collection brings us to the end of Marvel, leaving us just the indie book to go through. And as I say, a lot of really good stuff this month. A lot of heavy hitters. You know, big writers for DC and Marvel, big artists for DC and Marvel doing indie work this month. So uh, plenty to dig into. We'll kick things off at Image Comics with an interesting sort of one-two punch of a title. One title is called One Hand and the other is called The Six Fingers. Now, Uh these two titles are actually linked together. One Hand is written by Ram B with art by Lawrence Campbell. I almost feel like just saying written by Ram, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on the first name basis, but... uh, yeah, written by Ram V with art by Lawrence Campbell, colours by Lee Lockridge. And then Six Fingers is written by Dan Waters, who, of course, is a long-time buddy and collaborator with Ram. Uh, um, Dan Waters is some writer. Yeah, I know Dan Waters uh, recently did the Azrael stuff, did, for yeah. example. Uh, did a really good book for Image, which, oh my God, the name escapes Seasons of... He did the Seasons of Teeth. The Seasons of Teeth, yeah. But he did one before that. It was so David Lynchian. It was unbelievable. Um Art was by Danny. The name will come to me at some point. But, yeah, so Dan Waters is doing sort of the companion title, if you will, Six Fingers, with Suma Kumar on art and Lee Lockridge on colours. So one hand is is described as Neo-Novena detective Ari Nazir is about to retire with an enviable record until a brutal murder occurs bearing all the hallmarks of the one-hand killer. 
which should be impossible since Ari already put them away not once but twice in the years before. What follows is a deadly cat and mouse game as Ari pursues his quarry down the rain-soaked streets of Neo Novena. Ari will stop at nothing to unravel the secrets and ciphers of this case, but each revelation only leads further into the dark heart of this future metropolis and Ari's own beleaguered soul. But then Six Fingers also kicks off with the uh, explanation that it's set in Neo Novena. Uh, with an archaeology student, Johannes Veil has always been so very in control of his life, but when he commits a brutal murder using the MO of a historic and notorious serial killer, starting uh -huh. to see the links here, everything begins to spiral out of control, primarily as Johannes doesn't remember doing it. What follows is a deadly cat and mouse game as Johannes seeks refuge in the rain soaked streets of Neo Novena. He will stop at nothing to unravel the secrets and ciphers of what he did and why he did it. Uh huh. Uh, but each revelation only leads further into the dark heart of his future metropolis and Johan's own heartbroken soul. So even the solicitations themselves sound deliberately similar. Uh, I would imagine you can read one, but I would imagine to get the whole story, you're probably going to have to be in both titles. So uh, it sounds like the like a similar story, but from two different two different sides of the yeah two different points of defense, view as it were yeah yeah so one hand is uh they're both linked they're both um put down as mini series uh five issues for both so one hand and six fingers uh all right sticking with image then for me uh and arriving on february the 14th uh, valentine's day uh we have the infernals it is the start of a new series abraham abe morgenstern the son of satan has one month to live. Before he dies, he must decide which of his three wayward children, volatile narcissist Nero, conflicted field operative Jackal, or troubled schoolgirl B, will inherit his shadowy empire. But will Abe be able to truly cede control of the apocalypse, or does the Antichrist have something else up his sleeve? This is written by our buddy Ryan Parrott, Rogue Son and Power Rangers, and WGA Award nominee Noah Gardner. And they're joined by Eisner Award-winning artist John Pearson of the Department of Truth and Blue and Green. For an epic tale about family, power, legacy, and the end of the world. Sounds intriguing. Nice, yeah. No, as you say, I mean, obviously, Fallen Creators, Ram Parrot, has been arguably writing the, the best book in the Massiverse. I wouldn't disagree with you. With Rogue Sun. So, um, yes, that is the Infernals number one. So, uh, last one from me from Image Comics is Creepshow Wolverton Station One Shot. Now, Creepshow I've been really enjoying anyway, uh, but each issue is divided into two stories with two different creative teams. Well, this one is not. This one is just written by one. This is just one story. Uh, it's actually two writers, uh, but it's just one story and it's one artist, which is Michael Walsh, who, of course, uh, does Silver Coin. Uh -huh. So with Creepshow Wolverton Station, the reason this uh, appeals to me so much as a one shot is because Joe Hill is back writing and writing horror. So uh, Master of Horror Joe Hill joins Creepshow Gather Around Kitties for a special presentation. In this feature length issue, Creepshow alum Joe Hill is joined by Jason Caramella and Michael Walsh to tell a terrifying tale of a businessman whose commute is about to get a lot hairier when his train makes an unexpected stop at Wolverton Station. This one-shot adapts the acclaimed short story by Joe Hill in an expanded format with new twists and turns, including a special appearance by The Creep. Now, if you are on Creep Show with us, I will automatically include that because that's part of the same run. But if it's one that you just want to pick up on its own, not being on Creep Show, just let us know and we can arrange that. And the title I was thinking of from Dan Waters and Danny was Coffin Bound. There you go. I knew I'd get there eventually. Google is a wonderful thing. <laughs> 
But one last thing with regards to image and something we're enjoying very much at the moment, but is hitting trade paperback. Oh, this one. yes, absolutely. This is something you can't miss. So Void Rivals, uh, the fantastic book by none other than Robert Kirkman and Lorenzo De Felici, the blockbuster Oblivion song team. They launched an all new shared universe connecting the Transformers and the G.I. Joe universes called the Energon Universe. And it was secretly launched in the first issue of Void Rivals. Uh, but that isn't to take away from, you know, the the value of the book in itself. Yeah, even if the book wasn't linked to that universe, yeah. it's still a really well told story. Yeah, so it tells the story of war raging around the sacred ring where the last remnants of two worlds have collapsed around a black hole in a never-ending war. However, when pilot Doric and his rival Salila both crash in a desolate planet, these two enemies must find a way to escape together. But are they alone in this strange planet and what dark forces await to threaten the entire universe? This collects, in standard sort of image format, the first six issues of the series. Highly recommend picking this up. And uh, <laughs> Volume 1 is cleverly called More Than Meets the Eye. <laughs> so if you didn't know it was part of the Energon universe, that definitely gives it away. 100%. But uh, yeah, no, it's just that that's the thing. They sort of launched it in secret as being part of the Energon universe. And then, of course, it became that whole, you know, issues were getting more expensive on the secondary market, blah, 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 blah. So I know some people were just waiting for trade. So, yeah, definitely one to to jump onto there. So we'll move away from Image Comics and over to Dark Horse, who, as I said in the intro, I think they steal the show this month because... We've got three titles here, but they're all written by such great creators, great writers, but also the artists involved are top-notch as well. So the first one is Dawn Runner. Now, I should preface this a little bit by saying, so this is written by Ram V as well. What's really funny about seeing the one hand and seeing this one, Dawn Runner, is that we took Ram out for a few drinks after the signing. He mentioned a couple of these to me yeah. and went into great detail about the ideas and the world building and stuff like that. So he's, he's got some other titles that come out soon, but... Dawn Runner number one is coming from Dark Horse, written by Ram with art from Evan Cagle. Now, Evan Cagle, if you've been paying attention, has been doing the absolutely stunning covers for Detective Comics mm-hmm. ever since Ram took over. But this is the, uh, sequential art. So a century ago, a portal opened over Central America and the Tetsa that came through changed our world. Now the world bends all its effort to making the Iron Kings, great mechs that must battle the Tetsa for humanity's continued survival in a gladiatorial combat. Anita Mar is the greatest of the pilots and has chosen to pilot a new prototype that could change the tide in humanity's favour. An all-ages sci-fi epic from Rising Stars. I don't know if you'd still call Ram a Rising Star, but Rising Stars, Ram V and Evan Cagle. So that's Dark Horse Blockbuster number one. Number two is from another friend of the store, uh, David M. Boer, but is also co-written by Greg Pack. Uh, a very reliable hand been doing great work i believe with darth vader for quite mm-hmm. some time yeah absolutely and this is ghostbusters back in town so uh the artist on this is someone i haven't heard of i must be honest which is called blue deliquanti uh a year and a half after the events of ghostbusters afterlife which was a pretty great sequel i thought uh the ghostbusters are officially back in business and headed back to where it all began new york city Kaylee, gary trevor and phoebe are moving into the firehouse and ready to take on the spengler family business <sighs> Or are they? Ghostbusting on top of changing family dynamics has a way of going awry. And that uh, exactly what one paranormal force is counting on. See what the Big Apple has in store for the latest generation of Ghostbusters with the first installment of an all-new series that bridges the gap between 
Ghostbusters Afterlife and the upcoming sequel. Frozen Planet. Frozen Planet, yes. Uh, trailer dropped for it a few yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, it was pretty, very good. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, and then the last one coming from myself on Dark Horse is, you know, I had to get a mention for the Cult of King at some point. Oh man, well, you, the artist in this will have me on it as well. I mean, it, it didn't the... Well, you go ahead. No, no, no. You, you leave the, 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 or, the original solicitation that I read across between two things and one of them was Wuthering Heights and I was like oh that's got me oh but that that hasn't got me but then I saw the the creative team and was like okay I'm in and that creative team is the Eisner award winning creative team of Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow which again if you're a long time listener to the pod you will have heard us pretty much review pretty much every issue of that it was I think it was your series of the year yes it was uh, was that last year I think so yeah, yeah that was your series of the year mine was do a powerball uh, but yeah, the the artist on that is Bill Quee Evely, and the writer, of course, Tom Keane. So this title is Helen of Windhorn. Well, they've changed up there. It's something meets something, and this will intrigue you as well. This is Wizard of Oz meets Conan the Barbarian. Ooh. So uh, gothic sword and sorcery epic. Following the tragic death of her late father, C.K. Cole, the esteemed pulp writer and creator of the popular warrior character Otha, Helen Cole is called back to her grandfather's enormous and illustrious estate, Windhorn House. Scarred by Cole's untimely passing and lost in a new strange world, Helen wreaks drunken havoc upon her rival. However, her chaotic ways begin to soften as she discovers a lifetime of secrets hiding within the myriad rooms and hallways of the expansive manor. For outside its walls, within the woods, dwell the legendary adventures that once were locked away within her father's stories. Yeah, I believe this even has... I don't see it in the previews book here, but I believe this even has a Clayman variant cover, Oh, which will be coming along. Another friend of the store. Uh-huh. Uh, many friends of the store. <laughs> uh, we're friendly people. We're friendly people. Yeah, but I think that's going to be a big one. Uh, as you say, coming from that Supergirl creative team, how could you not want to do yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. So, swinging away from, from Dark Horse and uh, towards Dynamite. Dynamite's been getting... More and more of my dollar of late uh, with uh, the Gargoyle stuff. And I know you're on the James Bond stuff. And more people are going to be on James Bond now that Garth Ennis starts in January. Yes, absolutely. But this is kind of my pick of the month. Uh, not just because of the uh, of the creator on it, but because of the property. I mean, I was... Another friend of the store. Another friend of the store. <laughs> um, and I just narrowly missed him whenever I was down in Clare a couple of weeks ago. He was over in Italy, but... Uh, Anyway, uh, Declan Shelby and Drew Moss on art bring us the return of an absolute nostalgia animated series uh, hit of my childhood, Thundercats. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect, yeah, absolutely. This just looks great. Fleeing through space to escape their dying homeworld, the Thundercats were attacked en route by their mortal enemies, the mutants of Plundar. After diverting their damaged flagship to a planet called Third Earth, the surviving Thundercats now strive to rebuild their society in harmony with the New World's natives, but the mutants, determined to possess the Thundercats' mystical gem, the Eye of Thundera, have tracked them down, and they've also forged an alliance with Mumra, the devil priest of Third Earth. Now the Thundercats... Led by and the inexperienced Lionel must band together as never before to protect their legacy from this combined enemy. But will they be able to withstand the onslaught of Mumra, the ever-living? 
once he sets his eyes upon them. The triple threat talents, writers, artists, Thundercats, superfans of Declan Shelby and Drew Moss join forces to bring this exciting new entry in the Thundercats canon to life. This premiere features uh, 24 story pages as well as a host of finest cover artists the galaxy has ever seen, including Shelby, Declan Nakayama, Lucio Perillo, Jay Lee and Jun Chung and Ivan Tao. My goodness, I am excited about this. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of covers they're doing for, I have to say. I mean, the Prio cover's lovely. The main cover by David Nakayama. Dex done a cover, which is class. And then even the uh, Nostalgia Kid in me wants the uh, Lion-O action trigger. Oh, uh, yeah, that Jay Lee cover looks fantastic. Um, there's some great interviews with Declan. Uh, he says, getting to work in these characters is a dream come true, based on a dream I never dared to have, said writer, De- writer Declan Shelby. Thundercats is one of those shows that blew my mind when I first saw it. The scope, the imagination, the action. Looking back at it now, there's so many creative concepts woven through it. There's so much room to explore this world that I'm excited to dig into, especially to see it all imagined through Drew's eyes. This February, the Thundercats are loose. Yeah, as part of that interview, he also talks about uh, my childhood memory is a bit spotty at best, but I nevertheless have a clear memory of seeing the cartoon for the first time. That opening title sequence is just as impressive now as it was then. I remember having a Lano figure until my sister threw him down the stairs and his head broke off. (laughs) I don't cherish that memory, but I also had a Mumra and I do remember having a plastic sword of omens that would extend. Man, I love that. Oh, yeah. Yep. We all did, believe me. Yeah, I was the same. I mean, I think when maybe you're different in this case because you're a big he-man fan as well but i always thought it was you were either thundercats or you were he-man and i was thundercats all the way yeah no i never thought that <laughs> it was i just you were you were literally <laughs> why not both? yeah it was i was also well into brave star and this and that and the other so yeah everything that was everything that was sort of action cartoony i was i was there yeah the two the two cartoons of my childhood were very much batman animated series thundercats see batman animated series was a wee bit later for me so Oh, sorry, I forget that I'm so much younger. Yeah, than I mean, you know, it was just when I, Batman animated series. It was '93. Yeah, it was probably whenever I shouldn't have been watching cartoons, but but here we are. <laughs> here, here we are, and not three hours ago at the dinner table, you said to me, "Oh, did you see Batman the animated series Ooh. is on Netflix?" I wasn't wise enough to know that you can always watch cartoons. Exactly. At that exactly. time. But uh, yeah, from one '80s property to another, and um, we had the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And the reason we bring them up is because The Last Ronin 2 Re-Evolution is coming up. So this is the official sequel to The Last Ronin. Uh, The legacy continues as uh, legendary TMNT co-creator Kevin Eastman reassembles the acclaimed creative team for the next epic chapter of The Last Ronin. More than a decade after The Last Ronin defeated the Foot Clan, sorry, Keith, spoilers, New York City (laughs) finds itself in a state of steady decline. Now the desperate gangs vie for economic and political control and that chaos is taking its toll. It's clear to Casey Marie that if something isn't done soon, the city she knows and loves will be lost forever. So whether they're ready or not, she and her young pupils must raise a new coalition and lead the charge to keep the peace. Witness the rise of the next generation of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as they fight to restore peace to the streets they live below. So, uh, yeah, TMNT, you know, last run was a huge hit for IDW. I mean, it was, I remember at the time that pre-orders actually extend, exceeded quite dramatically the print run. Uh-huh. which in itself should never happen because the whole reason you do previews books and the whole reason we get people excited and get people pre-ordering is so that if you pre-order the book, you're guaranteed it. Yeah. But I think it was something like they, they they sort of went ahead of time. They started printing before the order numbers came in right? and they printed like 120,000 copies. Okay. But the first of the first prints 
but there was something like 155,000 uh-huh. pre-orders. Yes. So people That's were guaranteed beautiful. it, yeah. and then it was, you know, the whole secondary market exploded and blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's why that's really why I'm only reading it now. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting, you know, Last Ronin 2, a sequel to The Last Turtle Story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know how popular it was going to be. Well, that's true. This that's true. You know, and it's uh, there's a lot of exploration to be had in that, in that world of the turtles, you know, that, that future where it's almost like... It's almost like, you know, the DC Future's End, mm-hmm. you know. It's almost like Future's End, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's almost, yeah. But uh, no, I think it, they just really surprise everyone with how popular it is. I mean, the hardcover even collection of it, it's hard keeping it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a sort of follow-up to it. Um, it just recently hit trade, which was The Lost Years, and it's a prequel yes. story set before it. Um, so you do have that. But uh, that's from IDW, the TMNT last run, and we'll move away from there and on to Boom couple of titles here this month so from me we have the displaced number one of five so this is written by ed brisson drawn by luca casalanguida uh in a world where no one believes you exist what would you do to be remembered the city of oshawa ontario has vanished without a trace even worse nobody remembers it or the 170,000 missing residents that disappeared along with it as the survivors also fall into the forgotten they must seek each other out if they hope to have any chance of surviving in a world where no one believes they exist. Highly acclaimed writer Ed Brisson, rising star artist Luca uh, Casalanguida, and red-hot colorist D. Kuniff pose the question. How can you feel connected to reality or each other if by all veritable means you don't exist? So that is from Boom Studios. Uh, Luca Casalanguida was the artist on Regarding the Matter of Oswald's Body, which is quite a uh-huh. cool title from uh, Christopher Cantwell as well. Yes, that's, that's right. Oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, good uh, title, but uh, you want to bring up a title for uh, a, a certain listener? Yes, absolutely. I'd like to talk about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers: The Return, number one of four uh, for Stephen, uh, who is uh, a big Power Rangers fan. And uh, actually, there was a while ago, a long time ago, there was a, a fan film, you know, a fan s- s- clip brought out which showed a, a, a dark future for the Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if this is kind of this is kind of picking that up, you know. Yep. So it's written by Amy Jo Johnson and Matt Hudson uh, with uh, Nico Leon on art. Uh, Amy Jo Johnson is significant to uh, anybody who was ever a Power Rangers fan. Uh, in an alternate universe, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers finally defeated Rita Repulsa and Lord Zed, but at a terrible cost. In the wake of tragedy, the team went their separate ways. 22 years later, the long-disbanded team reunites to mourn the loss of beloved friends, but Zack and Billy have some unexpected information to share. Jason, the Red Ranger, has been operating as a lone vigilante and has since disappeared. Will the remaining Power Rangers be able to track him down, especially with a mysterious figure in pursuit? Written by actress, screenwriter and director Amy Jo Johnson, the original Pink Ranger herself, along with Rising Star co-writer Matt Hodson uh, from Titans and renowned uh, artist Nico Leon, a Spider-Man and Catwoman, fans can experience something unlike anything they ever have before in the Power Rangers universe in TV or comics. Uh, that's going to be a, a February 7th release. That may be interesting. Well, I mean, people are going to have to get ordering this because there's a Jenny Frisson incentive variant and I collect Jenny Frisson covers. So <laughs> right. uh, if, if the pre-orders in this could be pretty strong, guys, I'd very much appreciate it. Uh, this is another one I just want to pick up. It is Wild's End, Wild's End Beyond the Sea by, by legendary writer Dan Abnett. Alien Invasion, Adventure in the Spirit of War of the Worlds meets Wind in the Willows. 
two of my favourite stories of all time, so this particular solicitation got me. Return to the once familiar world, to a once familiar world, once now occupied by alien invaders, Skipper, Flo, Roddy, Howie, Stevie and Eddie are cast of anthropomorphic sailors are home from their time at sea to face aliens unlike anything they've ever seen before. The crew of the Merry Beat hide from the horrors around them, while the familiar and mundane become weapons of terror. They discover a terrifying plan in the works, and if they can't stop it, everyone they know will face a fate worse than death. The award-winning creative team of Dan Abnett of uh, Warhammer 40,000 and the Immortal Red Sonja and I.N.J. Culbert, uh, Salamandra and Tales from the Umbrella Academy spin a tale of friendship and perseverance in an alien-occupied interwar England with additional story material by Nicky, uh, Nick Abnett. Uh, collects uh, Wild's End Beyond the Sea number one to four. Uh, sounds really interesting. Missed it the first time round. Yeah, there's a couple of guys that are on this. Um, Wild Sam's on something I'm overly familiar with. I know it's a Dan Abnett creation. Yeah, it? yeah. And it's went through a couple of volumes at this point, but uh, it's not something I've, I have much experience with. Yeah, so. no, I'd never heard about it before this particular previews book, so uh, that might be something I will chase up because with that War of the Worlds meets Wind in the Willows, I'm, I'm all over it. <laughs> they know how to get you with uh-huh. their blah, 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 oh. meets blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they really do. It's a really good way of... Uh, of, uh, of of selling something, do you want to you want to talk about something coming out from Massive Publishing that is a little close to your heart? Yeah, I mean this is going to be the last thing for me in the previews book. Uh, Massive Publishing have actually been doing these books. It's from a, a sort of a subset of Massive Publishing called Sumerian Comics, and they've been doing this for a little while. I mean, we'll be talking about this more when it comes to the next reviews podcast because one of the titles is in that as one of my picks of the month. But they've been sort of gobbling up film properties and then telling unique stories set within the time frame of the movie not direct adaptations but maybe different points of view of the same sort of um the same sort of events so you know yeah, as an ex- uh, that's you'd mentioned something about american psycho earlier on yeah so yeah. american psycho is one of those uh, properties basic instinct is another one of those properties and then solicited this month is the fog and the fog is a massive guilty pleasure of mine john carpenter movie Vicky and I saw it on a barge in Belfast at one point as part of the film. Festival. I was there in that barge before we knew one another, I think. Before we knew one another. I mean, you would have, if you'd look back, we were the ones drinking the bottle of Jack Daniels that we brought with us. <laughs> um, it was just a fun sort of Belfast film festival yeah, yeah, type yeah. Uh, screening. And then it very much became Vicky and I's Halloween movie. Around. Right, okay. Uh, so with The Fog, what they're doing is something similar to what I was talking about with American Psycho and Basic Instinct. So The Ultimate Experience in Terror, it's written by Steve Ekstrom with art by Marco Federa. 40 years after the events of The Fog, another 80s reference right now, uh, this comic series tells a supernatural horror story that reconnects several surviving characters and or their descendants from John Carpenter's original story to a new series of paranormal events that plague Antonio Bay, a small fishing community turned ghost hunting tourist destination. Now in 2022, something far more malevolent from Antonio Bay's dark past is roiling up from the depths of the sea. Uh, some beautiful covers for this as well. I particularly like the, the cover C by Patricia Martin, real minimalist one of a lighthouse, which is just pretty damn beautiful. But yeah, what they've been doing so far is great. I'm going to give the basic instinct one a go as well. It's not a movie I'm quite as revered with. Uh, as American Psycho in the Fog, but I just really like what they're doing here with those uh, movie properties. So that is it from me on the previews, but a couple more from yourself. Yes, please. So I'm going to take you to the world of Scout for one, and then we're going to go to Titanville. Uh, for the Titan well. one all day long. So from Scout Comics by writer uh, Zach Kaplan, uh, we have Forever Forward. It's a trade paperback. 
when brilliant young scientist Dr. Lewis Moody accidentally launches himself, his secret long-time crush, and his three best friends 33 years into the future with his unproven quantum time machine. They find a mysterious message from their future selves. The only way back is forward. Now as they jump again and again through strange future times, will they one day find the technology to travel back, or are they doomed to hopelessly travel forward forever? That just sounds like a cool story. Um, and Zach Kaplan has done some cool stuff, Fight the Future, different other bits and pieces. So, so that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. I think I'll pick that up. And but we're going to finish on a big one. Oh, big style, yeah, absolutely. So you're aware uh, of what big fans of Conan the Barbarian, uh, lately of Titan Comics, uh, that myself and Alan are. So this summer at San Diego Comic Con 2013, 2023 rather, because it's not 2013, it's 2023. Uh, Heroic Signatures and Titan Comics announced the return of the Savage Sword of Conan. So it's going to be back in its original black and white magazine format with an all-star creative lineup. And the series will tell all new gritty and gruesome tales from the world of Conan the Barbarian, not necessarily about Conan himself. The preview pages from issue one, which is in store on the 28th of February, look Absolutely fantastic. Uh, issue 1 features stories from John Arcudi, Patrick Zercher, Jim Zub, with art from Max von Fafner and Patrick Zercher. Patrick Zercher. And some great some great uh, covers from uh, Industry's Finest, including uh, Joe Jusco. Just looks absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I was looking at that cover B by Gerardo Safino going, that's my one. And then I looked at the left and saw <laughs> Joe, Joe Jusco went, oh, yeah, I know, absolutely, it's something else. Um, the Savage Coast Sword of Conan is back, featuring new Conan epic from John, John Arcudi and Max Fafner, the rousing return of Solomon Kane, written and drawn by Pat Zercher, and an electric prose story from Jim Zub, and spectacular art pinups and more. The Savage Sword of Conan, issue one, heralds a new era of adrenaline-fueled adventure. So, brilliant. A silly-sized book you can get on board with. Yeah, it's a magazine-sized book. <laughs> that will require the same bag, which is a magazine size bag, yes, sir. as a DC black label. Okay, there you are. There you are. See, that shelf's getting bigger and bigger. I know. I that know. custom shelf that you're going to put in this room is, uh, at least it's going to have great content to fill up. But yeah, no, I mean, since Conan returned to Titan, I mean, again, I always like to look at it from a stored perspective. We had, I think it was eight people on the Marvel run. And the Marvel run was great. You know, Jason Aaron did yeah, some wonderful stuff. And it was Jim Zub did Savage Sword, wasn't it? For Marvel, yep. But we had like eight people on it. We have twenty-four people on it through Titan, and I mean, obviously, again, that uh, that comes with the store growing, the community growing, everything yeah. else. But I think it was just a lot of people jumped on Conan because they just saw how good it was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's probably a lot of people didn't jump on it because it was so late in its run. Yeah, you know, and uh, now they're going. Yeah, so that yeah, abs- as you say, a testament to the the growth of the store community. But that is the December book with a view to February releases and beyond, broken down with what is going to be getting our hard-earned, or relatively hard-earned, uh, bucks when it comes to <laughs> I mean, Relatively hard-earned? Well, I mean, I only work three days a week these days, you know, I feel guilty sometimes. <laughs> well, what's this wee pale face? <laughs> I can't take all the blame myself. I need a brother in arms, that's exactly what you are. But, so uh, I have to go down to three days, is that what you said? Uh, yeah, I mean... What did you say? So we're on the uh, 29th of November and you have seven working days before the end of well, the Well, I year. do, but that's because I've got so much uh, I don't annual leave and toilet stole. I don't want to hear excuses. We only deal in facts on this show. 
but yeah no that's that's what we're looking forward to most as i say there's tons more in the previews book specifically especially the indie book but again these books are always in store you can google solicitations easily enough online if you want to look at it from the comfort of your own home but yeah if you're popping by the store these books are always there you know for you to have a flick through sit down chat away to us if you need a point in the right direction just ask away so the cutoff point for these orders is i believe the 20th of december so we've got this pod out nice and early this month uh, so you've tons of time for jumping on to any of these books getting the, those pre-orders in again pop in the store to let us know any titles you're interested in get in touch through the social media channels or you can email us of course at coffee and heroes at hotmail.com so that was a fun sojourn through those books uh, my wallet really felt it there were a lot of omnibuses there were a lot yeah. of uh, graphic novels and uh yeah damn yeah absolutely i uh, felt that one too and i'll feel it worse in february <laughs> some of them are advanced solicitations that's also true. that's alan and keith's problem <laughs> seven months from now it's all good but anyway as ever i hope this proved useful for you guys and uh thanks for joining us as we went through the previous books so i uh, look forward to seeing you in store soon good night so i've been alan taylor and this has been keith miller you can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes and on Twitter where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes 1 and I'm a Scannison 00. Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop and community hub in Northern Ireland based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast. You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. The Coffee and Heroes podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and through all good podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe and leave a review so more people can find us. And until next time, happy reading and hope to see you in store.